Hire FM 95.9. Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. It's just gone 7 o'clock. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9 and this is Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. But of course, I'm not Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is uh, Sotume and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy. I'm going to be with you for the next hour, 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock. And today we are talking nutrition. Um, I know a lot of people when they hear the words uh, nutrition, we always think about diets and all sorts of things. But today we're talking about nutrition in relation to health and more specifically cancer as well as um, pregnancy which you know there's all sorts of tales old wives tales uh, what your doctor says what you feel like eating what you want to eat and all of that is what we're going to be discussing this uh, evening and we're going to be joined by two different dietitians who specialize in both um, cancer as well as in pregnancy so all that and more still coming up right here on Kaya FM 95.9 Sidebar with Dr. Cindy on Kaya FM 95.9 so it's a minute after seven o'clock, as I said to you earlier on, that we are talking about nutrition today and we are talking specifically about nutrition that is related to pregnancy. That conversation is going to be happening a little bit later on where we're talking about what it means to be pregnant and what it is that you are meant to be eating when it comes to um, pregnancy. And then, of course, we're also going to be talking about cancer. That conversation is what we're going to be starting with. And we're going to be joined on the line by a nutritionist um, named Omi Naidu is a dietitian and uh, specifically specializes in um, nutrition when it comes to cancer because it's a it's a very scary disease and I, I would imagine that it would be a very scary time for most people and now you still have to figure out the nutrition that goes with that having cancer and uh, Dr. Omi joins us now on the line a very good evening to you and a warm welcome. Uh, good evening Cindy to you and your listeners uh, I'm actually a clinical dietitian. A clinical dietitian. Uh, with critical care and oncology. Yeah, you know, I think Cindy would know more because she's a doctor. I'm not. I'm standing in for her. My name is Sotomayor. Oh, okay. So okay. I am completely clueless. So this conversation is going to be a learning moment for me and I think uh, our listeners as well. So we are talking about cancer and we're talking about nutrition when it comes to cancer. And uh, and I think one of the biggest things um, when it comes to nutrition and when it comes to cancer, especially if you follow the internet and you follow what happens on social media, it's the link between food food and uh, nutrition what is it does is there foods that actually cause cancer um or is that a myth okay so there's definitely food groups that increase your risk for cancer but if we take a step back we've got to understand there's two factors there's your controllable risk factors and your uncontrollable so your controllable or your uncontrollable risk factors would be things like genetics and environment that you can't change whether you're going to have cancer or not. And then up to 50% of your risk of cancer development is your diet, your lifestyle, and those are things that are in your hands and you can definitely control. So to answer your question, there's definitely food groups that have been studied that have been shown that increase or even decrease your risk for cancer. And let's start with the food groups that actually increase the risk of cancer. And I'm saying this because um, I once read an article that talked about eating anything that's overheated or burnt food, and that that, if you eat too much of that, that can lead to cancer. So when we talk about foods that can actually contribute or cause cancer, what foods are we talking about? Okay, so those, those food groups talk into four groups. 
The first one is your processed meat. So studies have shown us that if you have more than 50 grams per day, it can increase your risk for colorectal cancer up to 20 to 30%, as well as red meat. Mm-hmm. So us as South Africans are known to have large intakes of red meat. Price. Mm. Yeah, price, your poiki cost, those sort of things. And what the studies show us is, is that if you're having a high red meat intake, it definitely increases your risk for cancer. That's your first two groups. The other one is your glycemic index. So this basically means how much of carbohydrates does the meal have and how quick does it push up your blood sugars. Studies have shown us that if you're having a high GI diet, so lots of fruit juices, cool drinks, processed foods like pizzas, that when you have this kind of diet, it can increase your risk for things like prostate cancer by up to 80 to 90%. And the last category of foods are your calorie-dense foods. These are foods like your chocolate, sweets, mm-hmm. cakes, fried foods, and fatty foods. They increase your risk for obesity, and obesity is found to be a risk factor for multiple cancers. Okay. Well, if you're just joining us, it's just gone five minutes after seven. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. And the other voice that you're listening to is Dr. Omi Naidu. And today we're talking about nutrition. Um, starting off, we're talking about nutrition in relation to cancer. And you're more than welcome to give us a call if you've got any questions. The number to dial is 86 You can also send us an SMS on 36959. Or else you can send us a WhatsApp on 063-688-0959. Our number again is 86 And this is if you would like to ask any questions that are related to nutrition, that are related to cancer. Maybe you are a cancer survivor, maybe you're a cancer sufferer, or maybe you have somebody in your family that has cancer and you are genetically predisposed to cancer and you just want to understand what it is that you can do in the moment in order to make sure that you don't develop cancer. Or, Or maybe, doctor, if you do develop cancer, that it's not as severe. Is that even possible? That if you are at risk, say you come from a long line of uh, um, of women in your family having breast cancer, but you are better off in terms of nutrition, um, you know, you know more about nutrition and health. Does that greatly reduce the risk of cancer or, or, you know, or or does it mean that if you do get cancer, it won't be as bad? So there's two elements to that. You You can reduce your risk to some extent, but you can't prevent it. So if the genetic and the environmental factors are significant, then you may still end up with cancer. But you've got to understand that cancer is something that is caused by what we call free radical damage. Mm-hmm. And sort of the treatment to that is having lots of antioxidants. So if you're having a diet that's having a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables, that means you're having a high antioxidant content, which neutralizes the damage at an early stage, as opposed to the cancer cell developing into a larger tumor. So that is one element. And then the second element is just to make sure that if you do have cancer, we know that cancer causes you to lose a lot of muscle. Mm-hmm. So going into the cancer, if you had a high-protein diet, it helps you to almost neutralize that muscle loss. Okay, so that, that works in that sense. So it's a two-fold um, sort of uh, uh, approach. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about sugar as well, because I heard you talking about fruit. And uh, sugar, I mean, I suppose in general, sugar is never really a great thing. But um, there's obviously good sugar, which would be the sugar that comes in fruit. How does that work in relation to cancer? So should you limit your fruit intake? Fruit intake? Um, should you be focusing on fruit that is uh, high in antioxidants and maybe lower in terms of the sugar content? Maybe looking at your apples um, versus mangoes and uh, what else? And uh, uh, um, pineapples. 
So with most patients, I normally advocate, especially if they're not diabetic, is just indulging in as many fruits as they like. But it's also about being mindful. You know, if you're having a fruit content or fruit portion that's extremely sweet where you feel you need to have water thereafter, mm-hmm. that tells you that there's too much sugar in there. You know, the this research shows us that when you're having a lot of glucose, it pushes up your, your blood sugar level and your body needs to re- release insulin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Insulin is what we call an inflammatory hormone and the inflammatory processes can increase the risk for cancer at a later stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the foods that limit um, or, or at least that help, that assist in terms of fighting cancer or the cancer genes or, or cancer cells, what foods are those? Okay, so if I saw a cancer patient, which I see every day in my practice, the first thing I advise them is to have a high-protein diet. So when we mean protein... Mm-hmm. We know that cancer is catabolic, which means it increases your body's requirements on one side, but on the other side, the side effects of cancer, like your treatment could cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So on one end, you need more and your body eats less. So what tends to happen is on a day-to-day basis, you start to burn a lot of muscle to meet that requirement. So you mm-hmm. see cancer patients losing a lot of muscle. So the first thing is having good protein. I normally try to advise them to have a lot of plant-based protein, so things like beans, peas, lentils, and Legumes. Soya. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Those are, are the better options. I would also advise on a high antioxidant diet. So when we say high antioxidant, lots of brightly colored fruit and veg. The brighter the color, the higher the antioxidant component. And the third element is making sure that they have good quality carbohydrates. When I say good quality, I mean things that are higher in fiber and roughage. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely omit white rice, white bread, white pasta, because we're saying that when you have a, a food group that pushes up the sugar, it worsens your risk for cancer. Of cancer. Well, if you're just joining us, it's just gone 10 minutes after 7. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar with uh, Dr. Cindy Van Sale. That will be on a normal day-to-day basis. But today, I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy. My name is uh, Sotomayor. Together for the next hour, 7 until 8 o'clock. And we are talking about nutrition. The other voice that you're listening to there is Dr. Omi Naidu, who's just taking us through what it means to be mindful when it comes to cancer in terms of your nutrition what you probably should try to avoid, what you probably should be eating, or maybe you are in, 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 in recovery, maybe you are in remission, maybe you've just discovered that you've got cancer and you're looking for the best ways in order to, to fight the disease and maybe you've got some questions, then you're more than welcome to please give us a call on 86 Drop us an SMS, 36959 at a cost of 150. And remember, you can also go to Twitter at KayaFM Talk and use the hashtag sidebar with Cindy for any questions that you may want to ask uh, Dr. Omi Naidu talking about uh, cancer, of course, and talking about nutrition and doctor um you know you've just said something very important you talked about the 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 um the protein and how important it is to have protein um you know it's 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 one of those you know the internet can be very misleading um where you know you you read a lot about the fact that you know maybe try to stay away or limit your protein intake when it comes to cancer but you know i i like i think it's very interesting that you talked about other sources of protein versus um meat you know like the the nuts and the, and the, and you know, all other things plant based um protein is there a difference is like is all protein equal or protein is not equal like the there's meat protein and there's the plant protein but they're not equal in the bigger spectrum of things so in terms of cancer risk unfortunately they're not equal uh 
your animal protein has been shown, like your red meat specifically, it's been implicated in various carcinogenic processes, which means cancer-developing processes, whereas your plant-based proteins are very high in fiber. And fiber has been shown in multiple studies to reduce your risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so stick to the plant-based um, protein. Are there any foods in particular that are associated with the different types of cancer or cancer is cancer? There are two, uh, different foods. So, for instance, your red meat is, and your processed meat is associated with a high incidence of your gut cancer. So your stomach or gastric cancer as well as your colorectal cancer. And your high GI food is associated with prostate cancer. But, you know, in general, if I were to speak to any sort of person that doesn't have a medical condition, my advice to them would always be, let's try and increase your plant-based protein or your plant-based food, as well as incorporate a lot more fresh fruit and vegetables and be mindful of the type of carbohydrates that you're taking in. The Mm -hmm. moment you're taking in a white bread, a white rice, a white pasta, know that that normally corresponds with a bit of an inflammation or inflammatory effect in the body. So Mm. if we can control that or limit that, we can help ourselves, set ourselves up for better health. Mm. And another thing, another major thing, I think, when it comes to cancer as well, is that many people usually find out a lot later because, you know, symptoms vary from person to person. Sometimes it takes a while for a person to um, know what they're looking out for. And I know this is a bit of a a taking away from what we're talking about in terms of nutrition. But are there any, um, you know, any telltale signs? And I know that there's different kind of cancers, but how do you sort of uh, have an idea that maybe something might not be right? I know we should know our bodies. We should know um, how you're feeling. But generally, when it comes to cancer, what are the first things that you start to see? So a lot of the time it it means, you know, this is where we presented with this complexity of COVID and this pandemic. What we're finding is that patients are doing less of their screenings. They're doing less of their gastroscopes and colonoscopies and lots of the sort of breast examinations and their follow-ups with their doctors just because of the fear of contracting COVID. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate effect is that cancer is something often that's time sensitive, which means the later it's picked up, the worse are the outcomes. So very often, you know, I would advocate to patients to be mindful of any changes in their body and to also follow up. You know, if you knew you're due for your mammogram or your pap smear or your colonoscopy, go and get those things done regardless of COVID because, you know, very often if something is picked up early, it can change the entire outcome of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that what you're saying makes complete and utter sense. Um, but you might have somebody that's listening might, that might think that you know those are things that are not available to me, that are not necessarily readily and easily available for me to go to the gynecologist or you know go to the clinic. Some people think that, you know it's, it's too much work if I'm not feeling ill. Um, why should I have to get up and go and queue at a clinic in order to find out something that might not even be there? Whereas maybe I can look out for something in my body. I mean, I know with with breast cancer they say feel for lumps any changes in your breast um, and I think with prostate prostate it's always uh, the pain and, and, and you know what I mean um, yeah so but are there other things you know that are general when it comes to cancer yeah, you can no, see absolutely yeah. mm. absolutely so if I'm looking at a patient that has unexplained weight loss where you know they're not trying to lose weight and they're consciously losing more than 10% of their body weight in less than a three to six month period if I'm talking with a patient else I'm looking at a patient that has bleeding when they pass a stool and there's no apparent reason, that warrants further investigation. And, you know, if you're having chronic fatigue with all of the other symptoms that I've mentioned, 
that then means you need to get a workup from a medical perspective to find out and investigate further what could be the cause of it. There could be some minor causes, but at the end of the day, the objective is to rule out the major cause of cancer because the earlier we get in, the better the outcome. So you, those are things that you need to look out for. If you are losing weight and it is not your intention to lose weight, you must be worried. Um, if you've got any bit of blood, if you're passing stool, or maybe if you are urinating as well, is that that's also possible, right? Yeah, but you know, there's many other causes. Or, but the ultimate thing is to seek medical attention for your GP or your medical doctor to now start going through the stage of trying to rule out all of the different causes of it, and eventually the the worst cause or the most significant cause is a cancer and then that would need intervention. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just joining us, 17 minutes after 7, you're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar with Cindy. My name is Sotumea, standing in for The Good Doctor. And we are talking about nutrition this evening. More specifically, we're talking about nutrition in terms of cancer. And uh, a little later on, we're going to be talking about nutrition and pregnancy. And I know this one is a, is a highly popular one because, I mean, obviously, pregnancy is something that's very... Um, that's an everyday thing. Um, so I know a lot of people are always wondering what to eat when they're pregnant, what not to eat, the myths and everything else around it. So that conversation is going to be happening um, just after 20 past, just after the ads. We're going to be having that conversation. But in the meanwhile, we are still talking about cancer and we're still talking about food. So, doctor, what is the big takeaway in terms of um, nutrition and cancer? I mean, what is the one message that we should all leave with um, when we think cancer and we think nutrition? I think the most significant thing is knowing that we as South Africans have been clinically shown to be very obese, meaning that we as a small country at the tip of Africa, we top, we're coming up in the top five to 10 countries in the world in terms of obesity rates. Now, unfortunately, obesity is what we call a low-grade inflammatory state. So it releases a lot of inflammatory hormones and this then increases tumor growth. So with that being said, for anybody listening, if you could help yourself to lose 5 to 10% of your body weight, you could reduce your risk for cancer cell development. Okay. So first step, lose weight. Lose Absolutely. weight and look after the nutrition and maybe hit the gym if you would like to steer clear of the big C. Absolutely. And again, it's not going to prevent it uh, in completion, but at the end of the day, if you do get it, your outcome can be improved if you've got a lower BMI or body mass index. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us, uh, Dr. Naidu, and thank you very much for you know giving us that information on cancer and food. I think many times we are not aware of what we put in our mouths. It usually, has a, a very big um, effect or impact on what goes out um, in terms of the, the the things that we contract, the diseases, and all sorts of things that happen to our bodies. But thank you very much um, for having a chat to us. Thanks for having me on. Have a good evening. Thank you very much. So that is uh, Dr. Naidu talking to us um, about cancer and, of course, talking to us about nutrition that surrounds uh, cancer. You are more than welcome to join in on this conversation. If you've got any any questions at all, the number to dial is 0860 We are going to be switching gears a bit after the ads and we're still going to be talking about nutrition, but this time around we're going to be talking about pregnancy. And I know, you know, when you are pregnant for the first time, and you read all sorts of things about fish, about um, eggs, about this and that. And you've got all these questions and you're not sure if you're putting your baby at risk. Um, 
you might want to join in on this conversation. The number to dial is 86 959 Drop us an SMS 36959. Remember, we're also on WhatsApp. The number is 063-688-0959. And use um, hashtag sidebar with Cindy. This is on Twitter or also tweet us at KaiFM Talk. So still having that conversation just after the ads. It is uh, 23 minutes after 7. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You are listening to Sidebar with uh, Dr. Cindy Van Seel. My name is Sutumaya, standing in for the good doctor, um, who is feeling a little under the weather, but hopefully she's going to be feeling better very soon and we'll be back with you on the airwaves. And of course, we're talking about nutrition this evening. Our first segment, we were talking about nutrition in relation to cancer. And now we're going to be talking about nutrition in relation to pregnancy. But of course, if you've got any nutrition-related um, questions, uh, um, when it comes to your health, then you're more than welcome to give us a call on 0860000959. Remember, you can also drop us an SMS 36959 at a cost of 1 Rand 50. And joining us now on the line is Professor Lazan Duplessis, who is a registered dietitian. Um, and she's going to be talking to us about pregnancy and uh, nutrition. Dr. Lazan, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, a big good evening to you. Um, we're talking about something that is, uh, I suppose, very interesting. And I'm sure you get loads and loads of pregnant women that come in and have all sorts of questions about nutrition. But before we get into this topic, um, Dr. Lazan, I'm going to throw you straight to the sharks and have a caller ask you a question. Uh, because we have somebody who has been holding on and wanting to find out one or two things about nutrition. Um, we've got Molly giving us a call. Molly, thank you so much for joining us hi how are you i'm good thanks and you good good um i just wanted to find out um i have a lot of um constipation sorry <laughs> no no <laughs> so it's fine i just wanted to find out like how how can i what 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 can i eat better in terms of making that you know um getting a better nutrition that will help me with constipation because it's terrible. So I don't like fiber though, and I don't like oats. Okay. So those and are you like, don't like prunes. And yeah, even prunes. Prunes don't really help me. My stomach is like really like if I eat the original prunes or the prune juice, mm-hmm. they don't, it doesn't really help. Okay. But yeah, what what can I? What could I possibly use? Okay, let's hear from Professor Lazan if she's got any questions. Do you have any questions for Molly? Yes. Um, well, at first, I just want to say, yeah, with the sympathy, it happens during pregnancy for various reasons. Um, it's to do with hormones. It also has to do with the pressure that the growing baby is putting onto the, the gut. And um, it's a complaint that we hear quite often from, from pregnant mums. So... I've already heard that you said she doesn't like fiber, the oats, the prunes, and so on. But there's always something that you like. So there are other forms of fiber that is not so obvious. All our fruits and vegetables contain um, fiber. So concentrate on the vegetables and fruits that you do like. And, of course, that has to go with lots of meat and fluids, preferably clean and safe water. If you get tired of water, um, as we all do but at, at times, tea and um, coffee, not too much of that. One cup a day you can still have. But um, some of our herbal teas like rooibos, our South African rooibos tea is very good. And in summertime, you can make nice iced teas with it. And it doesn't have to be expensive if you make your own. So just um, 
also concentrate on light exercise. That is the other recommendation that, that we always give to all people, but um, also specifically during pregnancy. So it's a combination of fiber in fruits and vegetables and whole grain foods. It doesn't have to be oats if you don't like. There are always alternatives that a dietitian can um, suggest for you. But then also your um, fluids and light exercise. That combination is the best recommendation that we can provide for constipation. And what happens if you're not uh, pregnant, Prof? Because I'm not sure if she is pregnant. What happens if you're not pregnant but you suffer from like chronic constipation? Molly, are you, are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. Not pregnant. Okay, so what happens if you're not pregnant? Sure, so the same recommendations will apply um, to a non-pregnant person um, as uh, would in pregnancy. So try those um, specific and um, I'm sure there will be some relief if not and this is in the case where um, the, the, the specific recommendation going the natural way if that doesn't work you can also go um, for a fiber a supplement that you can get from a pharmacy. You don't have to get a prescription for it. It will be something that you will have to add water to and that will almost like expand to a gummy kind of consistency. And then you can take that orally. So you buy mouth, you can drink it usually. And that could also then um, assist. In more severe cases, um, a doctor may prescribe a suppository um, like a, almost like a gelatin, vaseline kind of mm-hmm. that you can use, which is also often um, quite um, successful. But if it doesn't subside, then obviously there would be other medications that you would need and that you would need a prescription for. But we start with the natural things and see if those work first. And of course, you have to be put in all your effort. Do the exercise, take the water, take mm-hmm. the fluids, and take the, the natural fiber those are the best to try and sort it out in a natural way. But of course, there are circumstances where it doesn't work and then you go, you have to go to the next line of treatment. Which is to go to the doctor. Molly, I hope that Thank helps. Thank you. I hope yes. that helps. Thank you so much. Okay, Bye. great stuff. Bye. So that was uh, Morley giving us a call, talking to us about uh, chronic constipation that she's suffering from and wanting to know what can be done. And of course, joining us on the line is Professor Lazan Duplessis, and she's chatting to us about nutrition. We're talking specifically about pregnancy, but we, it's not limited to that. So if you've got any um, questions for, uh, you know, uh, Professor Lazan, feel free to give us a call on 0800-00959. If you've got any questions that have got to do with nutrition, if you're suffering from something that you think may be assisted um, with nutrition. The number to dial is 0860-00959. So, Professor Lazan, um, talking about pregnancy, I, in my first pregnancy, I've got two kids. In my first pregnancy, I went on a very nice baby moon and, uh, you know, and I went to this really nice island and my biggest fear was to have something called jackfruit. I didn't eat it because I was under the impression that should I have something that is foreign that I've never had before, it might affect the baby in some way or another. And I know that it might be a myth, it might be truth, but I think it rings true to a lot of pregnant women, especially in your first pregnancy when you're still a lot more um, cautious and you try to stay away from just about everything because, you know, you're afraid that the baby will come out and, you know, things might have happened. How true is that, that, you know, there's certain foods that you must definitely stay away from when you're pregnant? 
Yeah, sure. And it's always good to be cautious. I think our natural instinct is um, there to protect the baby and then that that you're not unduly um, adventurous during that time, which is all good. I mean, that is part of motherhood. But um, food specifically, usually we say that you shouldn't be having anything raw um, in the meat category, specifically meat and fish. So you should be careful because those specific products um, are prone to bacterial growth. So I would say if you have, um, usually have something like sushi, try and steer clear from that, um, specifically in the first term, just to make sure, I mean, now specifically in summer, you have to be careful anyway, whether you're pregnant with any foods um, that is uh, kept outside at room temperature, specifically meats and fish, mm-hmm. and eggs, be careful. Do you boil an egg? Do it properly. Do it. Um, not all of us enjoy the hard-boiled eggs yes. or scrambled eggs, but rather ensure that it's um, totally cooked, that it's not to the raw side. You can have that always again when the pregnancy is over. It's not a lifetime that you're pregnant. So those are the general just um, rules around foods that can potentially be contaminated. Also with shellfish and those more exotic kind of things, just be careful because um, it's something that you can always enjoy post-pregnancy. You don't have to have it during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It's a nine-month period, a time that you need to be careful, a time that you need to enjoy, and at a time that you don't want to put yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, like in your case, you didn't want to go to hospital while you're on the island. So exactly. Than, <laughs> and then also things like certain cheeses. Um, some of them almost have like a moldy kind of texture. So those are the ones that you need to be careful of. Um, normal cheese is fine, but just um, you can rather err on the, on the safe side than being adventurous during this time and ending up um, in hospital or in a dreadful position where you feel guilty about having something that wasn't really a must-have um, as part of a healthy diet. So um, that's kind of the... I think the, there's no rules there, but I would say that it's it's better guidance to stay clear from things that you're not exactly sure of the origin of it, of it specifically in foreign countries. Um, rather just be be safe than sorry. And what is the danger, um, Prof? So I mean, we've talked about you know st- try to stay away from anything that's raw. Meat must be well done. It must like it must be dead, 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 dead. <laughs> It must not have a pulse. So it must be well it must be well done, your eggs must be well done and try to steer clear of anything that is uh, under, under underdone. But what are the risks? So in other words, if you continue if you continue to eat that kind of food, what are some of the risks that you're posing to yourself and your baby? Right, so um, some of these foods can cause just an upset tummy, which is a, a general just feeling of nausea and um, maybe diarrhea, which is not necessarily life-threatening, but it, it's uncomfortable. So you want to avoid those in any way because during pregnancy, it could be nauseous anyway. So mm-hmm. you want to avoid any additional um, stresses on, on your body. In other cases, it can be more severe where you have food poisoning, where the, the, the substance, if I can just explain it very, um, simple, in simple terms, it might um, be that um, a toxin or um, a byproduct of a bacteria that within food comes into the bloodstream. Now, that is more um, dangerous because, of course, your blood 
runs over the placenta, runs over uh-huh. the baby. Uh-huh. So you don't want to expose the baby to any toxins in the blood. And um, some of these um, products that you could in- ingest could actually lead to, to a food poisoning, which can spill over to, to a worse kind of a systemic infection or systemic poisoning, if you want to call that in, in um, in simple terms. So that is where the danger that it can actually be harmful to the baby, but of course also to the mother. So that is why we, we, we just try and, and caution mothers to rather be safe. Okay, well, if you're just joining us, it's just gone 25 minutes to 8. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is Sutumea, standing in for Dr. Cindy Van Sale. And uh, we are talking about nutrition. Right now, we're talking to Professor Lazan, and we're talking about nutrition in relation to pregnancy, to expectant mothers. But, of course, um, the conversation can be broader than that. It can be bigger than that. If you've got any questions that you would like to ask in terms of nutrition, especially when it comes to your health, you know, if you feel like um, uh, there is something that is bothering you uh, and it might be fixed with nutrition you can give us a call I know a lot of people have also said that you know I, I mean I remember once had a conversation we were talking about gout and whether or not red meat causes gout so if you've got any of those questions the number to dial is 86 or you can drop us an SMS on 36959 and uh, you know Professor Elizan will try to answer as best as she can now, Professor, uh, we were just talking about the foods, you know, and the danger of uh, eating foods that might not be so great for you at the time. It can be more severe. It can just be food poisoning or it can be something um, a lot more severe. But another thing as well for a lot of expectant mothers, I know with me, I had very bad um, acid reflux both times, so much so that I just I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. And, you know. And you start to think that maybe it's certain foods, something that I'm eating that makes it worse. But when you are pregnant, are there certain foods that make heartburn um, worse than, you know, than, than the next person? Yes, so reflux um, is also one of those things as constipation that we often find in pregnancy. And once again, the reason is the the pressure that the growing fetus places on the um, what we call sphincters within the um, your your gut, and that pressure then pushes the food up, and you experience that acid um, taste and the the burning sensation. Mm-hmm. So the there are certain foods that can make it worse, but it's very individual. So we don't have this list of foods that you have to avoid completely, apart from the the, the more the ones that could be dangerous in, in the food poisoning um, category. Um, some women find that um, citrus kind of foods um, with with almost like an acidy taste or sour taste, those foods worsen their symptoms. But it's not so for all women. So some actually find that um, foods, citrus foods like oranges or nachis, clementines, those things um, may improve their feeling of nausea or reflux. So it's a very individualized approach. We don't say, no, you can't have any of these um, foods that taste like soury or acidy. Um, many people will tell you, don't eat that tomato stew, um, don't drink orange juice. But there isn't a rule around it. It's an individual thing that you need to figure out for yourself. Is something actually causing or worsening the heartburn? Okay. If it does, sure. Mm, Please carry on, yes. So if if it does cause a problem, then we never 
suggest to, to anyone to remove a complete food group from your diet. So we will always um, suggest alternatives to you. So if you say that you can't drink milk, then we will say, okay, if you can't drink milk, then we will, for instance, um, suggest that you take yogurt or cheese, but you shouldn't exclude all the products just because milk causes heartburn or um, milk may be worse than the, the symptoms of reflux. So we we'll also always suggest an alternative in a specific food group so that you still get your full spread of good um, vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients. Also, what helps is that um, you eat and drink um, bef- like almost like an hour or so before you go to bed so that you don't last flat um, in a position where the heartburn or reflux can be worsened. So try to, to eat and then stay upright and then go to bed so an hour or so later. Or when you do eat, always sit in an upright position because any slouching can worsen that that pressure that you put on the the stomach and the gut. Um, Also, if it helps, maybe to um, avoid drinking too much fluid during your meals. That's one of the things that often happens. We um, eat and we drink fluids between um, while we are eating. So mm-hmm. if that fluid causes um, the, the feeling of fullness and reflux, then rather um, you take the fluid sometime after the meal and sometime before the meal, but not with a meal. Oh, okay. So, you know, there are those kinds of recommendations that a dietitian can assist mothers with um, in general just to make a specific situation more tolerable. Okay. Well, if you're just joining us, it is 20 minutes to 8. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. The number to dial is 0860009059. If you'd like to um, ask uh, Professor Lazan about uh, any questions that are related to nutrition, more specifically to pregnancy and nutrition. But like I said, you know, the, the conversation is open. If you've got any questions that are around nutrition, um, give us a call on 0860009059. We've got Asanda giving us a call. Asanda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to um, Prof on the on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. I have a question to ask. Um, so my brother-in-law has been diagnosed with something called an, some uh, autoimmune system um, that is based on the thyroid gland. Okay. So it causes him to swell. He he was diagnosed since the beginning of lockdown last year. And it causes him to swell, like in different areas. He will swell in the hand, he swells um, his feet and stuff like that. So he was recently um, released from hospital this week. I mean, sorry, today. And um, and uh, uh, because he, he, he had a swelling around his neck and face, so uh, which was also infected. And then now he's based in Marisbeck, uh, and he stays with my mother-in-law, who's a little bit uh, older. Who's older? Sorry, my child is disturbed. No, no, don't so worry. Now mm. uh, he's based in the rural area, so the diet is limited. So we were thinking to we based in Joburg, so we wanted to fetch him. Obviously, we 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 in in my house we do you know cook like relatively healthy food and uh, fruit and uh, like uh, we're very like healthy wise if I can put it like that yeah. but I was wondering if uh, we do bring him if there is anything specific that we can prepare for uh, for him to, to, to you know to help him um, re- recover on his um, 
Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, very sorry for um, the situation that your your brother finds himself in, uh, Asanda. But let's hear from uh, Professor Lazan. Prof, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask uh, Asanda about her brother's um, condition? Yes, um, thank you. I would also just like to say I'm sorry to hear about that. It is all so worrying and, and stressful when we have um, close family falling ill and of course we've all experienced this during this COVID pandemic that um, I think we've had so much of it now that, that we are all a little bit traumatized by um, the bad news and the diseases that we've seen um, apart from COVID. So I'm very sorry to hear about that. What I can um, suggest is that you contact the local health department in KZN. They have wonderful dietitians in the rural areas. Some of them are some of my former students that studied at Stellenbosch, and they are really equipped to deal with um, these kinds of cases on a one-to-one basis. Um, I would not want to give you any um, specific advice um, over the radio for this specific condition because you need a full history and you would need all the medication that is on. You would need to ask some questions, but it's better that you give um, and get individual advice in this specific um, case and also treatment. But maybe just to tell you that there are very, very good um, equipped people out there that can support um, your brother-in-law and specifically in the case in um, health department right into the rural areas there are skilled people that can assist. If you bring him to, to Johannesburg, then um, the same applies there. We I- know that the health services are under severe pressure at the mm-hmm. moment with COVID but um, in all cases, specifically with your new um, diseases, they do assist um, um, our patients and we, we should trust in our health system. We have highly skilled people, specifically in our secondary and tertiary hospitals, to deal with these kinds of cases. Mm. And Prof, I just want to ask you on behalf of um, Asanda, are these uh, public hospitals that you can go to and get a dietitian? You maybe have like, you know, where you can ref- at least point in the right direction and say, um, try these hospitals. They've got like great um, uh, dietitians uh, that are maybe, uh, you know, um, state uh, funded. Um, I wouldn't know all of the different hospitals and the names mm-hmm. and uh, the contact details, but what I can tell you is that you could contact the, the main um, office of Department of Health. Um, that the, the numbers and so forth should be available, or then any specific hospital closest mm-hmm. to where the family member stays, and ask them for for that information. We have dietitians that work in hospitals, um, as, and they are stationed there. But we also have dietitians that travel around to different clinics and they won't visit maybe every day but they will be there once a mm-hmm. week or once a month depending on the rotations that they do. So um, my advice would be to try and get hold of the local um, health center or the local hospital closest to um, the family member and then to take it from there. Alright, Asanda, I yeah, hope that... Also, the- um, 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 inquire from the hospital that because he was based in Marisbeck mm-hmm. but today he was moved to Deben uh, just for further assessment maybe I'll try those two hospitals that he was uh, treated at yeah maybe you, 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 I'm, I'm sure you should be able to get some help there Asanda and I really hope that you could ha- you do get um, the help that you need but you know like Prof says you know like I think sometimes we have little faith in the state but you know there yes. are skills out there there are people that are skilled people that know what they're doing if you just have a, a little bit of faith um, in government hospitals. But thank you very much for giving us that call, Asanda.
Thank you so much. Thank you very much. If you're just joining us, it is uh, just after quarter to eight. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. This is um, Sidebar um, without Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is Sotomayor, standing in for Dr. Cindy. And uh, we are talking about nutrition today. Earlier on, we were talking about nutrition in relation to cancer. And now we're talking about nutrition in relation to pregnancy. But we're also taking any other questions that you might have around nutrition. Just like Asanda, who gave us a call asking about her brother-in-law, who's got an autoimmune um, disease and wanted to know what is the best food or, or the best advice when it comes to nutrition um, and getting him back uh, to his normal healthy self. And uh, joining us on the line is Professor Lazan Duplessis, who's just uh, holding our hand um, through this conversation. And you know, doctor, it's very difficult when you get uh, people like Asanda who are looking for help, who are going through um, quite a bit. But I think it's also very important that you understand. I, I think a lot of the times we think we can get help just over the phone. It's important that you go and you you consult so that you can get a, a proper um, examination, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so of course we would want to help everybody that um, that reaches out, but it's not wise and it's not actually ethical um, to do that. You need a very good history before you can give advice with very specific disease conditions. General um, guidance and so forth, it's fine to give um, over the phone and over the radio and the newspapers and magazines, but there is a real need for, for skilled um, health care in certain circumstances. And I'm very proud to say that in South Africa, as you said, we often lose faith in mm-hmm. our government system, but really we train, we are the, the ones on the training end who train these healthcare workers. And um, of course, we put in everything that we can to ensure that our healthcare system, that our their hands are held high and that the, 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 the standard of training and the standard of care is um, high and that we um, fulfill our responsibility to our patients and to our fellow South Africans. We have that responsibility. And of course, people have been disappointed in so many ways, not only in the healthcare system, but mm-hmm. so many other systems, not only government, but private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, um, I think in South Africa, we, we have such a mixed bag of emotions about um, people not living up to our expectations, people that are not truthful. Um, so yeah, we, we, we were always on the back foot um, in casting people. But I can assure you that we are um, so much skilled still in South Africa because we see everything. We have so many problems here. We have exactly. so many different mm. disease conditions. We see it all and we, we teach the students how to deal with it, how to assist and so forth. So, yeah, I think that's the, the positive message that I would like to put out there. Okay. So, uh, Prof, when we go back to talking about um, pregnancy um, and caffeine, which is another big one, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's true, that caffeine, stay away from caffeine when you are pregnant. Is that true? Does it cause ADHD? Like, what is the story with caffeine and pregnancy? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, there, there are many stories out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, caffeine is a stimulant. So you, you would know that if you want to feel a perky in the morning, you would take caffeine to get you that quick fix. But um, in pregnancy, of course, you do not know how your baby will respond. The same for other substances. So you can't decide on the baby's behalf that, oh, I take my caffeine well, so will my baby. Mm-hmm. Your baby is different from you in many ways because it's not only your blood and your DNA and genes, it's also your partners and the families that can be feeding. Mm-hmm. So caffeine um, 
is one of those substances that you can take and we say that you can take one cup of coffee a day or the equivalent of one cup of coffee a day. That should be fine. However, there are many other substances that contain caffeine that we don't know of. So certain milk drinks like um, chocolate drinks maybe and mm. certain uh, sugar-sweetened beverages may contain caffeine. Energy drinks contain caffeine. Tea contains caffeine, although it's half of about the, the, the um, amount that you get in coffee. A normal salon English tea contains caffeine. It's rooibos that doesn't contain caffeine. So we have to be careful that we don't say, yeah, you can have a coffee, but then people don't know and they don't read labels and they continue with their habits of drinking a lot of other drinks that also contains caffeine. So that is why we just say, go slow on it. Caffeine is a stimulant. So even people who are not pregnant shouldn't be overindulging in caffeine. And mm-hmm. of course, if you mix it with, with sugar, like our energy drinks, then that caffeine kicks in almost at double quick time because of the sugar that's that they mm-hmm. drink. So we really have to be um, wise with our drinks. And we need to know what we, we take in and what we put in, into our So body. read the labels. That's it. That's it. And make sure that you drink your water first. That is the, the drink of choice. That is the fluid that your body really needs. The other fluids are there for our enjoyment and it does contain water. But caffeine can also cause dehydration. So if you take too much of it, you can actually dehydrate. So you need to go slow on it and then also during pregnancy and during breastfeeding because caffeine can be found in breast milk, for instance, and the, the baby may be fussy. Some babies just go through life easy. They don't uh, mind the caffeine. They don't, they're not affected by it. But some babies do get affected and you will not know until you experiment with it. So if you want to just go slow on the experiment, don't overindulge. That's my um, kind of um, guideline that I would put out there. Mm-hmm. And we know about alcohol and we know about alcohol syndrome and that you're supposed to stay away from alcohol. But there's also this, you know, there's also a belief that a glass of red wine doesn't hurt anyone. Is that true? Yeah. Is that not true? No, that's absolutely nonsense. If I can just say it straight. You know what? We have to be so careful with our babies. Um, as mm-hmm. I said, you may think that you can be fine after a glass of wine or any alcoholic beverage. You do not know how that affects your baby. Mm-hmm. So during pregnancy, when your blood and the baby's blood is connected, then you cannot say that a glass of wine won't do anything to mm-hmm. the baby. You should stay away from alcohol as so far while you are pregnant that you don't even need to see it. So um, we have so many problems in South Africa with fetal alcohol syndrome mm-hmm. and also um, those ones that are on the brink of that spectrum. So mothers that may not have been alcoholic or drinking heavily during pregnancy, but they took that loss or two of wine. And, and bear, that, that was another one where people were craving, craving bear. Mm, no, absolutely not. For those nine months, while your baby is growing, that is the sacrifice that you need to make. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress it enough that during pregnancy, please, please stay away from alcohol, stay away from cigarettes, stay away from other drugs. You do not want to hurt that baby mm-hmm. while the baby cannot decide for itself while it's a, a passive recipient of whatever the mother ingests. And mm-hmm. the same goes for the partner because if a partner smokes, 
and you inhale secondhand smoke if the partner entices you with alcohol. This is a team effort. So um, we should have our partners supporting us. We should have our family supporting us. And mm. that's putting pressure on us to partake in risky behavior. And when I say risky behavior, I mean, we can talk at length about it. It can include much more than just alcohol, drugs, and, and cigarettes. But um, we'll stick to that for the moment. Mm-hmm. During breastfeeding, of course, um, the mother's blood and the baby's blood isn't connected anymore, but breast milk um, is a substance that a mother produces that flows from her body to the the baby. And you can still, um, you can find remnants of alcohol in, in, in breast milk. In the breast milk, yeah. So it is better to abstain from alcohol also during breastfeeding. But for those mothers who drink recreationally and do not overindulge, um, sometimes it has been said that mothers actually relax when they have a bit of um, wine and then the breastfeeding comes more naturally. Now I'll I heard champagne. I had a friend who said <laughs> a glass of champagne. Like her milk was not coming in until she had a glass of champagne. Oh, and wow. then she had like too much milk after that. So. So, um, I mean, I would give a one-on-one consultation again and discuss this at length with a mother while breastfeeding. I wouldn't put it out as a public health message mm-hmm. that mothers can enjoy um, their alcohol while they're breastfeeding. That mm-hmm. is not what, what we are advocating yeah. for. But on a one-on-one um, consultation, there are always um, more detail that can be discussed and that can be um, fleshed out. But there's a rule, absolutely. Uh, we don't want to make too many rules in nutrition, but the rule for pregnancy is no alcohol at all. No co- alcohol and try to limit caffeine. And caffeine especially because, like you said, it's not just the coffee. There are many other things that have caffeine that we might not be aware of. So you might have had a glass of, uh, sorry, a cup of coffee. But in fact, based on everything else that you've eaten, you've actually had three cups of coffee. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, before we let you go, um, we're about to um, run out of talk time. Um, What are some of the myths? I mean, I know, you know, you hear all sorts of stories. Don't eat this, eat that. And then some things just sound just ridiculous. Like you, you just wonder if this is actually true. What are some of the myths when it comes to nutrition and pregnancy? Oh, there are so many. Your top three. Yeah, so um, maybe just to start off to say that um, people should consult the professionals that know about nutrition. And those are dietitians and nutritionists that studied for a four-year degree and not those ones who read a book somewhere <laughs> on the shelf because that happens. And um, not being disrespectful to people who read and understand nutrition, mm-hmm. but really we cannot afford that so much misinformation is out there about nutrition and it's such an important part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's also part of our livelihoods and it is part of our resilience and that is how we can actually curb um, the ongoing um, trans uh, generational poverty cycles. We can break down so many things with good nutrition. If our children grow up to be strong and healthy, they can have a better future. Mm-hmm. So nutrition is really a serious topic and people should be taking it seriously and ask the professionals who study this specific um, field and study it well. So if we think about pregnancy, I think number one, people would tell you that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. 
And I want to just assure the mothers that if they eat food in the whole food state, so in the natural state, be that um, fruits, vegetables, and the cooked versions of meat and fish and and um, eggs, and if they take legumes, um, beans, and so forth, something that you can still recognize as food, mm-hmm. something that is not packaged in boxes and things. And processed, yeah. That's it. That our ultra-processed foods, the real food. That would be my one, number one message. Eat real whole foods and eat your fruits and vegetables fresh and the others um, in a safe condition where it's cooked. All right. Thank you so much, Prof. We're going to have to leave it there because we've run out of time. But this was such a great conversation and uh, quite a big eye-opener, I think, for many people. Um, But thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was uh, Professor Lazan Duplessis talking to us about nutrition and more importantly talking to us about nutrition in relation to uh, pregnancy. So that's all we have for you um, this evening. I will be back tomorrow standing in for Dr. Cindy. From me, Sotomayor, it is goodbye and do enjoy the rest of your evening. Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.